You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. TechMate Podcast 109. iPad Battery Life. Microsoft Office. And Sony PlayStation 4. Fan 109. I am Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello. How are you this fine, fine Saturday morning? Uh, I'm actually feeling pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah stopping the painkillers. I've reached that stage now with the the back where it just hurts all the time. It's not. It's it's probably getting as good as it's going to get now until I get the brace off and physio. So I'm just kind of, you know, living with the paracetamol and uh, getting on with it. You know. Is, so is the is the brace itself causing pain because it's keeping you in a, a natural position i i don't think so i mean it's not it's not particularly comfortable it's weird i mean when i'm in the car i constantly feel i don't have a seatbelt on because the brace only obviously like comes around my chest not over my shoulder so and it keeps the seatbelt off my shoulder so i keep checking thinking oh i haven't got a seatbelt on <laughs> um and and yeah it's it's fine the only the worst thing about the brace it has kind of a a uh, kind of a bit that comes up under my chin so if I sit down particularly in a chair that's too soft I end up with the thing poking on like underneath my chin a bit like a you know a soldier with a bayonet to my throat which nice. isn't very nice no um but but most of the time it's okay um you know uh but but yeah they kind of I just have this general pain in the bottom of my back now that I think is muscular not from the injury um, and I don't think that's going to go now until they uh, give me some exercises to do once the thing's off so hopefully this time next week it'll be gone the brace so awesome yeah well i'm looking forward to getting you back into full mobility and eventually you know did, did they say you're ever going to be a hundred percent this is always going to be something we've not, or we've not had the discussion but you know what i kind of get the impression from my wife used to work in operating theater so she's seen a few injuries over the years i i suspect i'll always have you know a little bit of pain particularly if i'm tired or if the weather's bad or something like that you know, and um, maybe as I get older, it'll get a bit worse. We get a bit of arthritis there or something, but we'll see. You know, um, you know, I can put the, what pain I have is not it's not like sharp, crippling pain. It's just like low level nagging ache, um, and you know, it's livable. So, um, given the fact that I could have felt nothing, yeah, yeah, you know, the chest down, I really shouldn't be complaining. So I'm not. So uh, last week I talked about. Um meeting a, a new family, family yeah. members. Uh, that did happen last Sunday. You you reminded me right before we started recording because you were yeah. like, how did Sunday go? And I'm like, I don't know, what was Sunday? <laughs> uh, it was different. It was uh, it was good. Uh, very nice people. It's kind of strange that these people are related to you and, you know, you don't know who they are at all. Yeah. Neither of my brothers were there, and I said I think I, I mentioned that uh, I'm, I'm, they probably wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they told me some things. Uh, I did friend one of my brothers on Facebook and his wife, and um, yeah, you know, there's a we're gonna plan a, a second get together where I probably will meet him and his wife. Yeah. And uh, but no, very nice people. My kids had a good time. The the two youngest ones went with Julie and I. 
They yeah. had a kitten, and the kids just played uh-huh. with the kitten the whole time with a little laser pointer. Yeah. <laughs> That's yes. always fun. That's always fun, definitely. But I had some uh, garlic bread, pizza, got to hear some stories, um, found out how my father died, uh, you know, things like that. It was interesting. Did Did they find that you reminded them of him? No, I don't think no. so. No. No. Um, they talked about he, he liked to go fishing and stuff, and... Uh, one of my brothers, uh, the one that I'm friends with on Facebook, almost all his pictures are him either killing a deer or fishing. And right. I'm, I'm not into those things at all. No? No. You don't like to head out to the range at the weekend and fire no, up a weapon? No, I, I, I'm not a gun guy. <laughs> no? By any stretch of the imagination. Nor really am I a uh, fishing or a hunting or... I don't know. If I'm going to go to a lake, I don't mind fishing. But yeah. I would rather take the kids to do that, and I don't really care if we catch anything. It's just yeah. family time. That's right. Yeah, and it's being I like I love being out in nature. I would love to go uh, go shoot a deer, but I would shoot it with a camera, not with a gun. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I you know I don't want to get into the gun debate here on Tech Fan, but you know it, it's just not my thing. Wait, we should you know what we should maybe talk about that sometime. Maybe not today um, because. You know, gun is a, guns are uh, they are kind of a tech thing. I mean, they're they're a they're a thing people like. You know, the people who are really into guns are into the the technology of guns as much as the fact of just shooting them. So we should maybe think about covering that one day. Maybe. Yeah. Um, the 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 politics and the the culture behind guns to me is more interesting than the technology of the guns themselves. Yeah. And look, I, I'm a red-blooded American. I like shoot 'em up movies, the diehards and stuff like that, but that's movies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like shooting things in video games, but that's video games. That's not real life. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> you were mentioning, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> your uh, iPad. You've been using it a lot. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm getting i'm doing six seven hours a day really on the ipad because you know i'm sitting around an awful lot so uh i'm always you know i've done a huge amount of reading um not just the stuff online but you know books and magazines and stuff on the ipad over the last few weeks this is the ipad Uh, mini the ipad mini yeah which i still you know is i still think is is the best one if it had the retina display don't get me wrong it would be perfect um, but you know we've we've got the bigger iPads and I pick them up every now and again. My wife's got my old iPad three, um, you know, and the great as they are, they just feel so big and bulky to me now compared to the mini. Yeah, the mini is so portable. You know, I can literally stick it in my pocket if I'm walking around somewhere. Um, so it's always with me. And yeah, I'm doing you know seven eight hours on it every day. Um, and in fact, I was essentially just before the show started, I'm wondering how long my battery's going to last because I'm literally getting so much use out of it i i wonder whether i will shorten the battery life in the long term of the thing but uh but yeah no it's been great for me i haven't noticed you know i've got an ipad 3 and i've had it for about a year now and i haven't noticed any decrease in functionality as far as the battery is concerned it seems to be getting about the same although i do turn off stuff like bluetooth when i know for a fact i'm not going to connect to anything bluetooth yeah. Occasionally I do when I want to use the iCade. And I've noticed that if I have Bluetooth on, it sucks the battery probably a good 10 to 15% more yeah. than if it's off. 
But mind you, that might be the. I mean, obviously, if you're using iCade, you're playing games as well. That might be the games doing that. I'm. I've noticed if I'm doing a lot of gaming on it, the battery doesn't last as long because obviously it's working a lot harder. Yes. Um, you know so what it, kills it, mine is uh, iBook. Oh really? Yeah. I've noticed yeah. if I leave the screen brightness up on iBook because it's all white, I think yeah. it's taking more power to power the screen because it's, it's really bright. So I will kick down the brightness almost till the bottom mm -hmm. and use it that way, and I get a lot more time. I also have a comic book reader called Comic Zeal that really seems to eat up my battery life. Yeah. If, I, if I'm at 50% when I lay down at night, and decide, well, I'm going to read a couple comics, and that's what I do. I read two comics, and it takes 20 minutes, maybe. I'm at 40%. So it took yeah. me 10% more battery for those 20 minutes to read comic books than... Uh, that's a lot. Yeah. But you know what's the funny thing? I think the two things mm -hmm. that don't take battery as much is browsing the web and watching videos. If Especially if the video is on the device itself. Streaming, yeah, it takes a little bit more power. But mm -hmm. if it's a TV show or a movie that's actually on the iPad, it takes almost no battery, which seems counterintuitive to me. But uh, Well, I think it is to do with the processor load. Uh, I mean, if you're watching video, actually, the process, the main process is not doing very much at all. It's all the video graphics chips that are going to be true. working. Uh, and I guess they must, you know, use a lot less power than, than a general processor. Yeah, it's optimized. Because I've noticed the same thing, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, um, and, and that's great because it's a great design choice because, of course, when you're watching video, uh, you want a lot of battery out of it. You don't want it to be chewing through the battery. That's right. So, uh, so of course, that's exactly what you want. No, I, I mean, I, I've gotten the habit now of, of basically charging mine every night um, because I am using it so much. Interestingly enough, I mean, there was a big fuss when it when they first launched the uh, the Mini and the iPad 4 about the cost of the Lightning cables. You can pick up... So I, I bought some of the really cheap ones off eBay from China um, and, uh, you know, for about £3 each. And they are... You know, you, it's just a lottery. I've got a couple that are really good and are really robust and have no problems with. I've had a couple that have lasted about two, three weeks before they've broken. Um, so, you know, that that's that's one route. But, but certainly um, I found that Amazon sells an Amazon Basics lightning cable that is phenomenal. And it's a third of the price of what the, uh, what the Apple cable is. I'm interested. Does it charge faster? Through the lightning connector than it does the old 30 pin? No. No, it's about the same? No, it's, it's about the same. It obviously depends on what charger you use. I was going to um, say, are you plugging it into the computer? Obviously, when you want to sync no, it, unless you're doing Wi-Fi syncing. No, but... I'm, I, I, I hardly ever connect mine to the computer. I do, what syncing I do, do I do over Wi-Fi. Uh -huh. um, but, uh, no, I have a... Um, the, 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 the Mini comes with a standard iPhone charger. It doesn't come with the high-capacity iPad charger. Um, and it, you know, it charges pretty good through that. Um, if you plug it into a, into a high capacity iPad charger, it charges in about an hour and a half. I mean, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's, I have a, a kind of an old, an old double headed iPad charger that I had for my, um, iPad three. I have that connected next to the bed so I can charge my phone and my, uh, and my iPad at the same time. So, um, that's what I use. So it, it charges pretty quickly. You know, with my iPhone 4S, I found that it charges the fastest when I plug it into the car battery. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why it just man. It really charges it up fast. I I, I forgot last, uh, last Sunday to plug it in, and I had been using GPS, and so it was running all night. And when I turned on my iPhone the next morning, getting ready to go to Chicago on Monday, I had like uh, 
4% charge. <laughs> I was like, duh. <laughs> uh, plugged it into the car. And it was running, too. I mean, I was listening to podcasts yeah. on it. And I got about an hour later, I checked it, and it was at 100% charge. I was like, wow, that's really fast. Yeah. So, yeah. interesting. One of the uh, things I, I think I talked about last week, we had a new podcast coming up and uh, in the network, in the Stoplight Network, and that show has now launched. It's called uh, Track Talk. You can find it at tracktalkpodcast.com. And uh, I did a review on the very first episode. It's uh, cool. Mark Greentree and Sam, I don't know his last name. And uh, it was fun. So That's, Yeah. Check so, it out. So what? So what it's about? It's about music. Yeah, it's about music. Uh, mm-hmm. The first episode uh, is really good. I enjoyed listening to Sam and Mark. Uh, I gave them a little bit of constructive criticism. I said, "Let's you, you should try to have the an episode a little bit more focused because it was kind of all over the place on the first one." But that's understandable when it's your very first episode because um, you're excited and it's new, and they're going to kind of laser focus it in each episode from this point on. I think. So, so a question that immediately jumps to my mind is about it's about music. So, does how do they deal with the issue of of playing music that's copyrighted on the podcast? Do they just do it, or you know, a lot of podcasts do that now. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, I'm listening to a lot of shows that use bumper music and stuff like that, and it's all commercial. So, I don't know if the RIAA is is relaxing on that or what. Um. I don't know. Uh, I I did a review of Def Leppard's Pyromania album, and I played music clips all through my uh, review. Mm -hmm. But in that case, it's a review of the music. So I don't know if they would have a problem with that or not. Who knows? That's a legal bridge to be crossed at some point in the future, I expect. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not too worried. No, well, no, neither am I, but I'm just just wondering whether it's known whether there's a proper stance on it or not at this point. I, I think a lot of it is if you sit there and play an entire album, yeah. <laughs> that they'd probably have a problem with that. But if you're using 30-second clips, I don't think they're going to have a problem, especially but, if you're kind yeah. of promoting this album and it's going to promote sales. But having said that, there was a story this week that um, one country has... has blocked all the YouTube clips of the meteor from Russia last week because most of the guys who who put clips up were, were in the car and there was music playing on the car radios. I think Germany's done that. Well, hmm. <laughs> Which is kind of Pretty, bizarre, but there yeah. you go. Well, governments and organizations, even to this day, are still adjusting to the internet. And yeah. uh, they need to realize what fair use is what incidental use is. Um, yeah, it's it's a long time coming, and, and I don't think it's going to be solved anytime soon. So it's yeah. just one of those issues that you know we've been dealing with since day one of podcasting. And online, we've been dealing with it for years and years and years. Yeah. Uh, let's take our first break, David. And when we come back, the big tech news of the week, of course, is Sony PlayStation 4 announcement. We'll be right back. Lisa Pacelli, Suze Gilbert, Vicky Stokes, women, savvy, geeks, three geeky ladies. 
technology from a female perspective. Back here on Tech Fan Podcast, Tim Robertson, that's me, and David Cohen, that's him. Hello. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the PlayStation 4 here in a second, but first, David, I sent you a link earlier in this week. I thought it would be uh, an interesting topic. Yeah. Um, go ahead. So this is Office 2013, um, which um, was launched a few weeks ago um, to public for public consumption. Now, Microsoft are, are moving to a different model uh, for Office. They, they, as well as um, being able to buy a box copy of Office 2013, which just contains a license key, it doesn't contain your media anymore. And this is, um, by the way, PC. This is not Mac. PC, but this kind of appears applies to Mac as well, because anything, anything that's happening to PC um, is now going to be applied to Mac as well, um, because they are bringing all their Office products together in a way that they didn't in the past, where the, the Mac team used to be completely independent in Microsoft. They're now bringing them all under the same banner. So, so you can expect to see this. And in fact, um, Office 2011 for Mac has seen a, a price increase to bring it in line with the 2013 release for Windows over the last few weeks as well. It's actually gone up by about $20, $25 per copy. Um, so, you know, that's that's indicative of, of what's going on. And the, the reason for that is that actually Microsoft has this strategy. They have a product called Office 365, which is a subscription model for Office. Um, and they're really very keen to get as many people as possible to buy that rather than buy physical copies. So they are adjusting all their terms and conditions to push people that way. And this is a prime example. It's been confirmed by Microsoft that... Um, Office 2013 licenses are bound to a single computer. This is if you buy the box copy, not a subscription copy. Um, and so if you uh, you can't just take that software and reinstall it on another computer. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's slow down here for a second and really dig into that alone. So I buy yeah. a new Windows 8 computer. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I of course I'm going let's say it's a it's a, a what is it the Microsoft uh I want to say slate. It's a uh, surface. Yeah, the surface. So right. I, I brought, I buy the the brand new surface. I spend twelve hundred bucks for it. The surface Pro. That's surface the, Pro. Not, yeah, not the ARM one. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I go and buy a box copy of Windows eight, or I'm sorry, Office twenty thirteen, mm-hmm. which doesn't have physical CDs in it. It's just a download code. Yeah. So I put in the download code. I install Office twenty thirteen. And I'm good to go. And let's just clarify that. The way this works now is you don't download the whole um, CD image or DVD image and then install it. It actually installs off the website. It almost it, They call it streaming. So yeah, it's, it's you have to go of... to a website, put your code in, and then it kind of installs in the background to your PC. Right. So It's uh, kind so of like want... what they do with an iPad. Yeah. It's very, very tied to their web service. There's, you can't just say, all right, I'm going to download a copy the dvd and then install it separately so i download it i'm using it i'm happy except i accidentally spill my coffee all over my surface and it ruins the machine no problem it's not covered i understand that i go buy a new machine oh yeah uh no your copy of office 2013 you you can't put on the new machine yeah now it says in the article that um, when Microsoft were asked, well, what happens for that circumstance where the machine is lost or stolen and you want to put it on a new one, and they said no comment. Um, 
in reality, my experience, what tends to happen, um, I have a copy of Windows 7, for instance, that I purchased myself. And if I want to install that into a new virtual machine on my new Mac, for instance, I will put the license code in and it won't validate because as far as it's concerned, it's on an old machine and that has the same licensing terms. It's bound to the machine. Normally what happens at that point is I have to call Microsoft, go through an automated system, and they asked me to confirm that the old machine is no longer operational um, and um, that I'm, I'm installing it on a new machine or that I'm not running it on a separate... Basically, they asked me to confirm I'm not running it anywhere else at the same time. And provided I agree to that, then they give me a new code that allows me to install it or activate it on the new machine. I suspect that Office 2013 will let you do that, but they probably won't publicize that very well because ultimately what they don't want to do you know, let's face it, Office is a fairly well-pirated product, and they don't want people, you know, banging copies around all over the place, and they also are trying to use this as a lever to push you towards Office 365, because if you buy Office 365, which is $100 a year or something like that, then you get a license for running Office on five machines concurrently, um, and you can actually, you know, even if you're sat at a friend's computer and you want to fire up Office for a minute, you can actually do that, you can actually temporarily deactivate one of your licenses somewhere else uh, and um, and install it there. So that basically what is a carrot and stick thing. They're trying to say, um, you know, Office 365 is great and you can install it on loads of machines and that's really the best way of going and all sort of thing. And, and the old way of doing it is really not very good. So we're going to make it very, very difficult um, for people to use it in the way they've been accustomed to in the past. Now, some people would say, why don't they just then get rid of the box copy and go with the download? And the answer is pretty simple. Even today, in 2013, not everyone has a fast enough connection to download something like Office. No. Uh, and also as well, you know, I suspect retail copies of Office is a very, very small part of the Office market. You'd be Office surprised. Is, Office is a huge product for them, um, particularly... You know, uh, particularly on, on, you know, I'd, I'd say, in, you know, in the in the business industry, but but I don't think any of this applies to businesses. Um, I think you'll find that as a business, if you want to, if you've got 150 PCs that you want to roll out Office to, you'll buy a Microsoft uh, kind of license agreement for that. Rather than paying per copy, you basically enter into some sort of software um, subscription model at a corporate basis, and then they'll give you the ISOs and, and let you distribute them as and when you want. So this is just all about the box copies, and I don't think they sell that many. Yes, um, they do. Well, they, they will sell more on the Mac... Than, than perhaps they do on, on Windows. I think on, on the Windows side, in my experience, unless you're in business, a lot of people aren't interested in Office anymore. They're, they're more interested in using, um, you know, f cheaper or, 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 or free options like, like um, OpenOffice. I wish that were true, but unfortunately it hasn't been my experience. No? If, no. People are still buying copies of Office because they think they need it. Even when the only thing they really need is Word or a word processor, they're buying the full version of Office because, well, that's what they've always been buying and the new generation of people aren't even buying PCs or Office at all. They're buying iPads and stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, it, 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 I understand why Microsoft is doing it. I just think that they could have done it a lot easier well, <laughs> without but, but ticking think, off think... a lot of people. I think that applies to pretty much everything Microsoft's done in the last two years. Well, yeah. You know, everything they do, they do in a way that actually upsets people, and they are so lacking in transparency, even when they're asked direct questions. Um, and, they, you know, this is, we'll talk about this with Sony as well coming up. 
One of the things that irritates me is people try and copy the Apple model. And I think the Apple model is tell, tell nobody nothing at any time, which isn't the Apple model. Apple tells nobody anything until they're ready to launch, and then they tell everybody everything about the thing they've just launched. Yep. Yeah? Whereas Microsoft tells nobody anything about the thing they're about to launch, and then they launch it. And even if they launched it, un unless it's on the script, they say, oh, we're, we're not going to comment on that. And these are legitimate questions that people want answered. You know, the the issue for um, Mac users in all of this is that this is going to apply to the Mac as well. Um, now, I, technically, I'm not sure how easy it is. I mean, generally, my experience, Office on the Mac is a lot less tied into um, the the Microsoft web servers and validation and everything than, than the Windows versions are. Um, I don't know whether that's going to change. Um, but at the moment, yeah, theoretically as well, if you were to buy Office 2011 for Mac and then you got a new Mac, you won't be able to transfer the license. Um, and um, again, they're, they're, you know, they they don't have the web streaming technology that you have with uh, Office for Windows. So you, you, you are still using a basically a disk image when you install it. I don't know whether that's going to change going going forward or not. I think, yeah, eventually it's going to change. I know that Microsoft was trying to work a deal with Apple that they got more than the 70% for when you buy uh, anything through the Mac App Store. Cause, yeah. And, and Microsoft doesn't want to give up 30% of their money to Apple. But yeah. uh, Apple's basically have told Microsoft, you're no different than any other developer. We're not going to treat you any different. Yeah. So I don't know where that's going to go. I think Apple's honestly going to get their way because at this point they're the much larger, stronger company. And without Microsoft Office being on the iPad so far, it doesn't really seem to have hurt sales. So, no. so Apple's not coming at no, this I, I don't, with I don't hat in hand. Yeah. Um, I, in, terms of, in terms of the Mac, I could see Microsoft going to a kind of a, a virtual application model with Office. Where instead of coding directly a Mac compatible version, they just basically give you a free app that allows you to run up, you know, effectively a dedicated VM for for the Windows version in a shell. Could happen. And then, and, and then you'd be in the same position you'd be with the Windows version. Yep. You know. Let's take our last break, and uh, we're gonna dedicate the last uh, portion of the show to uh, the PlayStation Four. We'll be right back. Soft kitty, warm kitty, little ball of fur. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up what, here, Mark. What, what's going on, Kevin? You're singing the song Soft Kitty. That That's only for when somebody's sick and not feeling well. Oh, but I thought it'd be a great intro into the show. I mean, after all, people listening to us, they've got to be a little bit sick, don't they? That's true. We can't deny that. Especially if they want to hug a geek every week. I know. A little bit confusing. A little bit painful. I feel sorry for them. <laughs> but you know what? If you haven't listened to Geekiest Show Ever, simply go across to iTunes and type in Geekiest Show Ever and you can listen to Kevin and me every single week. We're sick, we're twisted, but we have fun doing it. John Nemo needs our help. Mark. Okay, Siri, what's the problem? His at minute podcasts don't have any Aussie slang from down under. You mean like, good day, mate, bloody oath, or fair go? Right, and ag, wobbly, and she'll be apples. You come up with a new promo for Nemo, and I'll send it to him, Siri. Check out Nemo's Hard Yakker at Minute Podcast. You're going to have to do better than that. How about a complete sentence? G'day, grab a cuppa, a bicky, 
and check out the App Minute podcast with rigid edge John Nemo. It's a ripper. Tell everyone this is Dinky Diane that Siri from Sydney says so. Last segment here on Tech Fan Podcast. Uh, David and I are recording a day later than we usually do this week because uh, snow day. <laughs> Again, it seems like every Friday for the last month, it's either, well, I know we've had like three snow days in a row, which is mm-hmm. just crazy. I mean, okay, oh, granted, I live in Michigan. Yeah, we get snow, but it's been crazy, man. We've been getting just weird weird snow and icy stuff and it's just been terrible did you have this um thunder snow yeah we did yeah um it's not the first time i've experienced that so it wasn't a big deal to me i I know a lot of people have been making um it's been making the news oh thunder snow thunder snow but yeah so what (laughs) It's, it's weather um i was really excited um initially that knowing that Sony was going to release details on uh, February 20th on about the PlayStation 4. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't spend a lot of time that day perusing because it was also my 10th wedding anniversary. Yeah. And uh, I thought it would be... It would behoove me to spend more time with my wife than in front of the computer learning about a video game console. <laughs> yes, I would yeah, agree with that. Would, yeah, me too. So uh, I did get caught up, of course. It's, you know, it's who I am, I have to know. And I have to say, uh, my initial thought uh, was twofold, David. Number one, I was a little disappointed that they didn't actually show the box. <laughs> but by the same token... I don't really care what the box looks like. I know I'm going to buy it. Mm. I'm more interested in the specs and what it can do rather than what it looks like. And in that regard, I think Sony did a a fairly decent job of explaining what the capabilities are that it's going to be released this year, which means in the next 10 months. Um, And it does have some innovative features. But wow, does it feel like 2006 or 2007? Well, this, this was my problem too. Um, for a start, while I could live without actually seeing the box, what concerns me is the reason we didn't see the box is because they haven't built it yet. Well, that, which means... the box itself, though, that's industrial design. That's, I mean... Yeah, but no, we've had this... I'm, I'm, Sony have form in this area before. When they launched the PS3, it was the same. And then a lot of the features that they promised at the initial launch never came to pass because they couldn't make them work. And the reason that they didn't have the the boxer show wasn't because they haven't finished tooling it or anything. It's because they, I don't think they finished designing it yet. And and again, a lot of the demos that we saw for the PS4 were driven apparently by racks of servers in the back. Sure, but that's how and, it is. And, that's how it's been traditionally with new yeah, consoles for years. A lot of the questions they've answered since then have been, well, we we might be able to do that. We could do that. They're changing to a brand new architecture. Effectively, this thing is a supercharged PC. Yeah. Um, it's not, you know, it has a custom PC processor, an eight-core processor, but it is effectively an x86 compatible PC with an x86 compatible graphics card in there, um, and you know, pretty much you'd every everything you'd get on a modern high-end gaming PC. Yeah, but and going going back though, to be fair, going back to the original Xbox, that's all consoles have been since then. 
Yeah. Uh, well, except that the yeah the, the the thing is the PS3 was a different architecture. It was the same. It was know, the base. architecture that that Macintosh was going to go through. Yeah, that's right. If was... if Apple didn't, because initially the way that they created games developers for the first PS3 when it, before it launched was to use racks and racks and racks of G5s because it's mm. basically the same architecture as a G5 iMac. And the Xbox 360 is broadly the same as well, and that was the same development platform. Yep. Um, so they're moving to a PC. Now, you know, that's great. I don't think there's a problem with that. It it does create some problems with backwards compatibility because basically there is none. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with the approach they're taking. What I kind of struggled with really is that a lot of the... For a start, a lot of the features they they taught it was it was like oh god really you know it, it, oh there's a share button so you can post videos of your of your uh, gameplay on yeah direct but that's not big to you and I David but that is big to the the 22 year old or the 19 year old hanging out in his dorm room and he does something really cool and oh, it was wicked and he can throw it up to Facebook and all his drinking buddies go oh that was wicked and they watch the it point, I, I think the problem is with all of those things is they're nice to have but if that is what you're selling the system on this was their first opportunity to sell the system and and those were the sort of things that they were selling it, it really came across to me like they'd taken a whole boat bunch of things they thought were all individually really cool and kind of thrown them at the wall to see which would stick um, and as I say, they've got history of doing this with the PS3, and then the ones they either couldn't make work or couldn't fit in the budget, they throw out before the thing comes out. Yep. And and to me, that is disingenuous. Why not actually have a very clear idea up front of what you want to do? One of the things that was telling to me is is that one of the one of the people who announced this said, um, "This is a system for game developers, and it's for gamers." And I thought, well, there you are. That says everything you want. You want to know about this? Uh, they're putting the game developers before the gamers. You know, they they basically they've built something the game developers want, and then gamers are kind of an afterthought. And I think that's where all of these, you know, janky little features like you know a touch a touchpad on the controller, um, being able to to play your games streaming on a PS Vita, which is something that Wii does with the Wii U, and look how successful that's been. Um, you know the uh, a different colored light on every controller so you can see who's who's who the share button all of these things which individually are, are like okay you know that's fine but they're not none of them gel together into something that makes to me a compelling upgrade model from the existing machine and i think the real compelling upgrade driver from the existing machine this goes back to what we just talked about from microsoft is that this is a new architecture so very quickly games won't be coming out for the ps3 because nobody can develop a cross-platform for both these systems so everyone's going to focus on, on the ps4 uh and or ps3 games are going to be are going to be left out to hang out to dry they will because the xbox whatever the next xbox is is probably going to have the same architecture yeah so effectively, if you've got two, the two cutting-edge consoles are running on PC hardware, and then the two previous-gen consoles are running on Power PC. Yeah, it's not going to be possible to cheaply develop for both at the same time. So everyone's going to put their investment in the new ones, and it's going to hang the old consoles out to dry. Possibly. One of the things that bothered me that they said was your PSN content, i.e. the games that you bought on the PlayStation Network, you cannot transfer over to the PS4. So Sony has launched, when they launched the, the PS3, they launched the PlayStation Network. Mm -hmm. 
and it was their answer to the Xbox Live. And unlike Xbox, it's free. Now there is a premium service the um, on the on the PlayStation Network, the PlayStation Plus, that costs about eighty dollars a year, which, of which I'm a member, and it does give you free games, full console release games like Infamous and Little Big Planet stuff like that, Ratchet and Clank, that you can play for free, providing that you re-up your subscription at the end of the year or whenever it comes due. And that actually came and bit me in the butt because I forgot that it was going to expire. It expired. I went to play a game. Sorry, you can't play this game. What? Oh, crap. You You just reached right into my wallet and took 80 bucks out. Yeah. But I knew that going in. So it's not it's it's not like they were disingenuous about it. I knew that going in. What I don't like is having spent money on a yearly subscription, having purchased quite a bit of content, I would say, probably $500 worth of content over the years, over the last 5-6 years on PlayStation Network. I'm not going to be able to play any of that on the PS4. Now the answer of course is, well, your, your PS3 is not going to go bad. You could continue to use that one to play that content. Well, not everybody wants multiple consoles sitting underneath their television. That's one of the reasons, you know, I scaled back on my electronics in the living room. And, and there is an expectation, if you buy something for an online service, that it will remain available to you while you stay paid up. That you shouldn't you shouldn't expect if you go to the next product that effectively everything you've done before gets thrown away. You know, backward compatibility for physical games is one thing, but for the online stuff, you're telling me they couldn't recompile those games for the new system? They couldn't spend the effort doing that? They could do if they wanted to, but they don't care. They don't care. The whole announcement, you know, looking at it, maybe I'm being a bit cynical, but the whole thing smelled of business suicide to me. You know, this was all like an awful lot of business decisions that that benefit Sony and benefit their development partners have been made at the expense of gamers and that's kind of what upsets me about it really um, because you know it's I, I, to, to throw your community under the bus just because you see further revenue opportunities down the line um, to me just doesn't doesn't feel particularly right of course because we have no hardware we've got no prices I guarantee you this thing's going to be hugely expensive because that's the Sony way. Well, they haven't come out with prices yet, which always kind of uh, scares me. Well, last time they, I mean, they had a with the PS3, they they took a colossal loss on it because even at the expensive price it launched at, they couldn't get the uh, manufacturing down to a level where they were making money on them. Um, I suspect this is going to be the same as well, and it, and and it's those things again which are going to drive them to pull features before the thing is launched, try and bring the cost down, which means that some of the stuff you've seen here won't appear in the actual final design. Um, and you know, last time around the PS3, a lot of the games demos they showed didn't look that good when they actually came out on the console. Yeah, but again, that's still, I mean that's because developers would try to work ahead of actual console release, and you know. I get that. That's going to happen. MotorStorm was a perfect example. The demo that they showed at E3 2006 for MotorStorm, or 2005 for MotorStorm, looked amazing. The game that came out was really cool looking, but it didn't look as cool as the demo. So, I mean, that's... 
yeah, it's a legitimate complaint, but by the same token, it's like, well, I mean, you know, you, you, you see a lot of trailers to movies, and then it looks awesome, and then you go see it, and the movie sucks. Mm. I mean, it is what it is. I, I, I mean, Jimmy Kimmel had a had an, a playable demo of Killzone on his show. Yeah, uh, I just saw before, it. Yeah, just before we, we sat down for the podcast, I watched it. Now, again, this I, mean, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It was a cool-looking game. Yeah, and there's lots of nice kind of luminous fire and smoke effects in the in the the demo they played. Um, was it necessarily a better game than Killzone on the PS3 in terms of the gameplay? It was exactly the same. So I, I really worry here that that where these guys are, are leading themselves to is is a thing where there's nothing compelling to drive you to to upgrade the system except for the fact they're going to try and stifle supply for the for the previous one. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, it literally, we are, we, I think we are at that point now. It's kind of that HD TV point where once you go, once you get to a certain level of quality, everything after that is so incremental, it's not compelling enough to drive you to upgrade to it. One of the things that Sony said, uh, let's see, Dave Perry, he's the founder of the streaming service Gaki, which uh, Sony bought uh, a little while ago, uh, says that uh, PS3 games are not compatible with a PS4. But he said, uh, one of the things that they're making is this PlayStation Cloud. And he says, uh, despite native incompatibility, Perry said that the company is exploring some very unique opportunities with the long-term vision of making PlayStation 3 games ubiquitous to any device. The technology is so advanced that someday we could easily see PS1, 2, 3, and PS mobile games on any device, including the PlayStation 4. The vision of the PlayStation Cloud service is to play everything, everywhere. And Sony has greenlight that vision, he said. This is an investment into the millions of loyal PlayStation gamers across the world who would love to have all the past, present, and future games at their fingertips. Um, including you know, the... Uh, as part of this, though, they said that every PS4 game, and they're really holding the developers' feet to the fire on this, can be played on the playstation vita which if they do it right as great as mobile and handheld gaming has been up to this point they're still not at console quality this could be the first device that's truly console quality as far as the games that you can play and the graphics and all that but but what worries me about all of that is it's all oh well we're trying it's if it's maybe we'd like to uh you know there was no what what would make me far more interested in that as a solution if they if they committed to it they said we will definitely we will ensure that every game supports streaming they were talking about well if you download a game over their service it will start streaming so you can play it straight away before it's fully downloaded to the hard drive um and then there was a comment clarification that came afterwards that said sony's highly recommending that ps4 games uh, support that mode with the developer but the feature isn't a requirement you know, so it's all very tentative. It's all very well. It would be lovely if we could do this, and it's like, well, you own Gaiki, make it happen. You control the licensing terms for anybody who wants to issue software on your console. Make it happen, and then people will be interested. People will be excited. People would be would like that if you could do that, because if you could buy any game for your PS4 and then stream it on any device. 
Well, then then that turns it from a console into a gaming server that you can play on anything you own. Now, that's a lot more interesting, but if, if that's what you want to do, then, you know, put some skin in the game and say that's definitely what we're going to do. Otherwise, it becomes another of these things which might happen, and then in and you know in the actuality doesn't quite work as well, or they don't put the right resources into it, and they you know by the time things launches they say, oh well, we went we we never really meant that. Good points. I tend to side with the, and this is rare for me, uh, because I'm usually the, the pessimistic one. Mm. <laughs> but I, I in this case though, I, I kind of tend to side with Sony giving them the benefit of the doubt because when it comes to the ps3 the ps2 and the ps1 they really did know what they were doing they made some wonderful consoles now the ps3 obviously didn't win uh, most popular console that's the xbox 360 and i haven't bought a wii u yet not that i don't want one it just doesn't seem to be that big of a deal Mm. ps4 is a different matter sony i think really really understands console gaming even better than microsoft does they've done a much better job with the psn service than microsoft did with the xbox live service by far it's a much better service um but i don't know i here's here's my question david regardless of what microsoft does with their next console and we're probably going to see that at e3 mm-hmm. and i think the reason that we didn't see the ps for at this event was because they want to have something to do at E3. That's when you get to see the PS3 or PS4 box. We already know all the capabilities, blah, blah, blah. Here's the box. So actually, I think that's kind of a, a brilliant uh, showmanship move on their part. Um, yep. I'm not saying that that's what happened. I don't know if I want to give them that much credit, mm. but I, I kind of get a feeling that they're pretty much there when it comes to the design. They just want to save something for E3. I mean, that's the big video game trade show. They have to yep. have some big thing for E3. That's when they reveal the box itself. And that's where all the focus will be. Instead of, the, you know, the technology and the controllers and the network and the cloud and, you know, Vita compatibility. They already got all the word out on that. So the big focus will be on the console itself physically. So in that regard, I think if that's what they're doing, and I think that they are, that's a pro. I mean, essentially they get two big events now instead of yeah. just one. Because you know Microsoft's going to see their event and go, oh, well, we're going to show our console at E3. So uh, Microsoft like, yeah, gets I've, one. Yeah, Nintendo gets mi- one. I've heard that Microsoft might also be doing a pre-event to E3, so we'll see. Yeah. If but they, a- anyway. But, but regardless, I think it's yeah. a great move if that's what they're doing. Um but all of this, regardless of what Microsoft does and how successful the PS4, is this the last hurrah for the dedicated, underneath your television, video game console? Is this it? This is the last generation. Because after this, handhelds are just as powerful. Tablets are just as powerful. Streaming technology is ubiquitous. Who knows what Apple's going to do? Yeah. There's a lot of little Linux boxes now that you could put underneath the box and play it that way. Uh, Steam is coming out with their thing. Is this the last hurrah for the home console as a dedicated machine that you go buy a disc for, put it in, and play for $60? I don't know. Um, I, I could see that happening. 
I don't see I a mean, PS5 or something after the Xbox next I, whatever well, it is. I suppose it I suppose it's all going to depend on how well those systems do. You know, if they if they if they burn through the kind of sales that we've seen for the current systems, then maybe there will be a PS5 and an Xbox 1080 or whatever. Um but if they don't then then definitely not. Um you know, I I don't I'm not sure the network infrastructure we have is strong enough for um a complete move to streaming cloud services only at this point. Yeah, but um, we're a good five years away from when we would even start talking about a PS5. Yeah, I guess so. It, it depend. I mean, it really depends on what happens during that time, you know. And we, we we'll be on, I guess, you know, the eighth or ninth iteration of the of the iOS devices by then. It, you know, it'd be interesting to see how those develop. I think we we are speculating at this point because we don't know how the technology is going to change. But I look at it this um, way. Xbox has been kicking everyone's ass for the last few years, right? Yep. If you take all of the Xbox sales for the last two years and lump them all together, that's a quarter of Apple's iPad sales mm. for one quarter. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, we talked about this last week, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the video game market generates a lot of money more than the movie industry. But it's got to be now. diminishing returns at this point, well, right? Well, it is because the games are so expensive. And less people are you know? buying them yeah. at 60 bucks a pop because they're spending half of that and getting three times as many games on mobile, whether it's a, a Vita or a 3DS or an Android or iOS, what have you. That's where people are spending their money because they're not home all the time, but they, they could take these devices with them and play. They could play Word with friends sitting on the tarmac. You yeah. know? I mean, there, there's there's a huge compelling reason that a lot of people are buying these mobile devices. Because gaming on them, at the end of the day, who cares what you're playing it on? You're playing a game. Uh, I've got to be honest with you. I, You know, I've been... You've been I've at been home. Off, I've been at home for two and a half months. I've barely touched my Xbox. Yeah, why? Because it means, it means getting, getting up... Getting down to my office and sitting in front of the uh, in front of the screen, whereas my iPad I can play wherever I am. Yeah, but so let's be honest. If I sent you iPad. a game, uh, if I went and bought a game and sent it to you, and it was the best video game you've ever played, you just loved it, and it happens to be Xbox. It was absolutely fantastic. You're just it's so immersive. You're having so much fun. It's got just hours and hours and hours of gameability. Does that change it? it? It changes it a little more, but then I have to... Look, I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday who's um, a big Call of Duty fan. I mean, he this this guy is such a big Xbox fan that when a new game comes out, he takes time off from work so that he can play them. I mean, this is he's, he's probably the most hardcore Xbox 360 gamer I know. Um, his wife is... Uh, is off work is is working this weekend and so he was looking forward to having uh you know some real quality call of duty time yeah um but but he's so dedicated that he basically balances time between his game playing time uh and his family time i mean that that's the you know those are the two things in his life that really are the most important to him and obviously it causes some tensions yeah the difference is if you have if you're an ios gamer you can still be in the same room with your family and still play your games. You can you can have a much more um, 
you can have a much closer relationship to your gaming experience without locking yourself into a separate room or going on a separate device. Yeah, and effectively... I think yourself. we're talking about two different things. Personally, I think that guy has some issues that well, he needs he, a psychologist he, he, for. <laughs> Put the freaking hey, games it's, away. It's an extreme. It's an extreme example. I'll I'll admit. But the point I'm trying to make is that um, playing games on an on a on a, on a console under your TV is always going to be a bigger investment of your time against other things than playing game on a portable device or a more convenient device like an iPad um, and whatever else comes along down the road. And I and I think that is the real risk to the console generation is that gaming is going to become much less of an exclusive experience and much more of a shared experience and an experience that you can do in places you can't do if you're stuck with a traditional console. Uh, you know, it's games that sell video game consoles, regardless of what anybody may think. No one buys a console because the console itself is cool. You buy them because there's games on there that you want to play. With yeah. the PS2, that was Grand Theft Auto. I mean, that's what sold the system. That and the DVD player, which at the time was very expensive, and it was a relatively inexpensive DVD player, which, oh, by the way, you can also play games on. I gotta say, I was watching some of the games out there. Boy, my MacBook Pro, by the way, the fans are kicking on and everything right now. Yeah, I can hear them. Yeah. Usually doesn't happen, but I don't know. It's it's getting warm. Um, there was one game demo that I saw that I was interested in. I actually went and, and watched five minutes of actual playing footage of it. It's coming out this year, and it is going to be on the PS4. Although they quietly said it's also going to be on the Wii U, which I assume is also going to be on the next Xbox. Yeah, but it's called Watch Dogs, and it looked so cool. Uh, I would definitely tell you to go watch the uh, the video. There's like a five-minute video, six-minute video. And after you watch it, you're just like, oh, that's, that's awesome. It takes place in Chicago. It's an open-world games, but there's nothing to do. And you, but, but there's a lot of things to do. So if you go watch it, you'll get it. And it just looked fantastic. Um, but now that's not a PS4 exclusive, but... Um, the the new one from uh, what is it? It's Infamous, Infamous Three, yeah, which is a whole new hero now and uh, whatever. Um, I I love the first two Infamous games. I think they're some of the better video games that's come out in the last ten years. I mean, they're just fantastic. And uh, just because of the new Infamous, I'm gonna get a PS4. Mm-hmm. That that sold the system for me. I'm like, yep, I'm there. So it's the games that are just gonna sell the PS. For, and if they don't have a lot of exclusives, if the big games that I want to play, say GTA and uh, the Lego games and whatever, if they're available for all the consoles, well, whatever system I buy first is going to be where I probably buy most of those games for. Yeah. Just I, Now, by the same token, Wii U. Why do I want the Wii U? Because they have a... Uh, Lego City Undercover or something game that's coming out uh, in a month or two, I think. That looks just fantastic. I mean, it, it it's so killer. I, I want to play that game right now. Yeah. I'm willing to buy the Wii U just to play that game. Because I also know my kids will love to play that game. 
So it's the games. Which means it's all about the gamers. Yeah. Well, let's face it. I think one of the things that we talked about the um, PS Vita is that the software is, you know, has, has just been really poor for it. You but know. if they really do make all PS4 games compatible, i.e. you buy it on the PS4 and you can either stream it or download it to your Vita, that's a game changer. It really is. For instance, yep. this watchdog that I was just talking about, yep. if I buy it for the 360 or the Wii U, that's the only place I could play it. If I could buy it for the PS4, and oh, by the way, I could also play it on my Vita portably, guess which version I'm buying? Yeah, the PS4. Exactly. So I think Sony has announced some really cool things. If they actually follow up, which, as you've countlessly times in this podcast pointed out, (laughs) they have a poor track record of doing. Yeah. If they follow up and they keep all these promises that they made, at least as far as portability, it could be a very successful council for them. And from a purely selfish standpoint, I so want that to happen. I really, really do. Well, I, I mean, definitely. You, we, if you're if you're a gamer, you want these things to be successful because what you don't want is uh, Xbox to become, uh, you know, the the only console. I mean, you need competition because otherwise, uh, I think certainly Xbox won't be where it where it is today if it hadn't had the PS3 to compete against. Actually, the the 360 competed more against the uh, PS2 initially. Mm-hmm. The uh, the PS3 was not a good seller at first. So, I mean, it, it, it seemed to me that the upgrade path to a, an Xbox 360 was from either an Xbox or a PS2. Yeah. And they had a lot of exclusive games at first that were kick-ass. Yeah. And, and you, the, I, the PS3 just didn't. Yeah, I think you've got to remember, though, that, um, you know, most, I mean, most people don't have both consoles i think you know most people choose one platform or the other yep um and uh, i guess i guess one of the things that sony's also going to have against it at this point is that if you have an xbox 360 you're going to be much more inclined to buy it, because <coughs> xbox rather it than depends Switch. is it going to be backwards compatible with the 360 games i think i think well xbox has the largest library of games right yeah i think that is the core feature that microsoft has to be touting that all 360 games will work on the Xbox, whatever it's going to be. I mean, I've I've got to admit, I I was very pleasantly surprised when somebody gave me a copy of Halo 2 for the original Xbox, and I stuck it in my 360, and it worked just fine. Yeah, but it I, didn't. I mean, but not all Xbox games. No, I, so. I know, but but the point is, the fact that it did it at all blew me away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, even if you even if that's that um, not not every game is like that. The fact that some games are was was to me was quite impressive. You know. So I think that's something that Microsoft really has to be considering, that they've got such a huge library of games and people that have invested a lot of money in games that are yeah. on their third or fourth Xbox because of the quality <laughs> issues that yeah. they had for the first five years were just well, uh, yeah, horrendous. Yeah, I mean, talking personally for a minute, you know, I've got a 360 sat in front of me here and a whole pile of games for it that I've not got around to playing yet. I would... If if it if the new console played the new game, the old games as well as the new ones... I would definitely be a candidate to upgrade. Sure, because you don't want to you know, waste I, the investment that you've already made well, in games. I, 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 just like you, I don't want to keep the old console. If I'm going to change it, I'll change it for a, for one that can play the old games. If if I can't, then I'll I'll keep this one until I've finished with all the games I've got before I go to a new one. Yeah. 
One of the things that does scare me, though, and this just happened to me, um, I've talked about this game that I really liked on the PS3 called The Saboteur. Mm-hmm. And you can get yep. it on the Xbox as well, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I remember it. They they closed that studio down almost immediately after the game was released. After talking about it on the last show, I actually put it in my 360 and started it up. Now, remember, this is my second PS3. I had the original backwards-compatible PS3 that worked with all PS2 games as well. And that's where my saved games were. And that console died before Sony gave us this cloud option to save our games. So all my games are gone. All my saved games were gone. So I had to start this game over. Now, I remember on the other one, there was an update as soon as I put the disc in. I put it on this machine, there was no update. That's because all the servers for this game are gone. And the game barely plays on my new PS3. It's choppy. It needs the update. But because EA closed that studio, they obviously they don't support this game at all anymore, and it only came out two and a half, three years ago. That you know, that's surprising. I'd always assumed that for both for 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 Xbox anyway, that all those updates came from Microsoft. I think they, the I think, I think they do come from Microsoft. On Sony, I don't think it comes from Sony. I think it comes from the developers. Well, that blows. And I'm not happy about it because I really did want to play this game, but it's choppy. I mean it. It feels like, it feels like playing a game on your Mac when you have like six other programs open in the background. and You're like, ugh, I need to close these other game, uh, other programs, restart my machine, my machine, and then I can play it. That's, That's what it felt good. like. No, it wasn't good. I and I played it for about ten minutes, and I was just like, I can't, I feel like I'm going to have some kind of a seizure or something. And then I yeah. had to turn it off. So there's. Look, I got my 60 bucks of the game. I, I play the crap out of it, and I love that game. I'd really love to be able to play it again, but I can't. You know, but the, here's the thing. I mean, that is that is really disappointing. That, that really sucks. I it mean, does. that shows where we've come to. You know what? I can sympathize with that. In, in, in the last couple of weeks, I broke out. I've got, a, I've got an old PowerBook 1400 here that I bought a while back. Um, and I'd never really used it very much, but I found in, in a box of stuff I had uh, last week a copy of uh, X-Wing, uh-huh. the original X-Wing for the Mac. Yeah, that was a fun game. Yeah, well, I loved. I played it on the PC, but I had. I like Tie Fighter was better though. Yeah, well, this is this is X One X Wing Collector's Edition, so it has the updated graphics from Tie Fighter and all the add-on missions. So while it, yeah, Tie Fighter was a better game, this is still pretty good. Yep. So I thought it'd be nice to play this. I broke out that PowerBook fourteen hundred and I installed it and plugged a joystick in and I have really been enjoying playing it, you know. But the thing is, there we are with a game that's probably twenty years old on a piece on a computer that's twenty years old, yeah. And you can just stick it in and and it works and it's great and it's wonderful, yeah. And yet you've got console a console in the game that's two and a half years old and you can't play it. Yep, that's progress for you. <laughs> you know, and I and to be honest, I don't know if it's janky and jittery because of <clears throat> all the PS3 updates since then that it broke something yeah or the fact that I couldn't download that first update or any oh by the way in the bonus content that I paid for oh god I can't it's all gone I can't download those so with the PS3 is the, was there no way to move the data over from no. the old hard drives to the new one none not there is if it was working the problem is yeah. my old PS3 died Right. I even tried pulling the hard drive out, put it in an external case, a USB case, plugging it in, nothing. Nothing worked. There was no way to transfer that data. There is now. They addressed it now with uploading to the cloud, and they've had that for a little over a year now. 
but I mine broke right before they came out with that service, so I was out of luck. But even then, it, it it's not you're not transferring games; you're just transferring your saved data. Right. Still, it's disappointing. There we go. That's yep. progress. That's progress. So, David, with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. Uh, did we get any uh, feedback that we need to talk about before we wrap up? I don't. I don't think I've seen any this week. Let me uh, jump on the website here, and because uh, if we got any, I, I would imagine it's probably from Peter. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter always posts on the website, and nothing, nothing, no feedback this week. We must not have uh, talked about anything interesting last week, David. <laughs> so with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Tech Fan Podcast. Love to get feedback from you guys. Um, you can go to techfanpodcast.com, click the Contact Us button, and uh, contact us that way. You can leave comments right underneath this uh, posting on the website itself. If you want to find me, I am on Facebook. Uh, facebook.com slash mymac m-y-m-a-c or at mymac on twitter and david is david b cohen at twitter at twitter yep so with that we're going to wrap up and david thanks a lot had a good time this week yeah it was good and uh hope you feel better man thanks a lot bye